we're talking about neuroplasticity in today's episode. <laughs> uh, did you know that your brain literally is neuroplastic? That means that it can change. Uh, you can rewire, you can change your train of thought, you can change uh, the way the information moves through your brain. You have the ability to do this. Welcome to Getting Money Right, a show dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom through education and inspiration, so you can be free to pursue your true life's purpose. We are your hosts, Leo Sabo and David Thompson, and on today's episode, we're going to talk specifically about the process we go through when we desire to make a change uh, to our finances or any other area of our life. Change is how we improve our finances. We save more, we spend less, we make adjustments. This is change. That's right. We're talking about neurologically changing the way your brain operates, changing the way you think, forming new habits. We're talking about neuroplasticity in today's episode. <laughs> uh, did you know that your brain literally is neuroplastic? That means that it can change. Uh, you can rewire you can change your train of thought. You can change uh, the way the information moves through your brain. You have the ability to do this. And I'll tell you this, the brain doesn't love change. No. <laughs> the brain likes sending information down the neural pathways that it's already built. Yes. So if you're going to change direction, if you're going to rebuild your brain, if you're going to change and build new healthy habits in your finances or in your physical health or in the way you think and in your relationships, it takes energy. It takes time. Mm -hmm. You have to project into the future. So we're going to talk about how to do that, how to how to build a healthy plan and a strategy to get there. Uh, we're not thinking along the lines of, oh, in 21 days, I'm going to change. Yeah. Uh, we're not even necessarily thinking in 60 days. We're thinking in 100 days or more. Yeah. What is it going to take? If I'm going to make a real change, then I want to have a 100-day plan. Mm -hmm. And I want to be thinking further out. The 21-day plan is great. It'll get you started. But if you don't start with a long-term commitment to a real change, then you will get stuck. And so we want to be projecting out and sharing a little bit of about how to change your brain and personal behavior in this episode. Yeah, what really prompted us to dig into this topic is as you think about all the things that you want to accomplish, the hardest thing for us to do is to actually overcome our own thoughts our own mindset. Because when we start doing things that are difficult, that are going against what we used to do, the things we used to enjoy spending money on, or the things that we used to eat, when we want to change that, our brain comes in and says, whoa, time out. What are you doing? We, mm -hmm. used, to, we used to enjoy this. Now you're <laughs> taking it away. Yep. You want to get in better shape? You're going to run every day. You know, Your yeah. body's going to say, no, no, that. no, that's, that's <laughs> too much work. No, it, don't run a mile. Run a block, run a few meters. Uh, and so your brain is constantly wired, literally, to save you from pain, to yeah. save you from that change. Because the brain always interprets change as being uncomfortable and mm -hmm. something that you shouldn't do. Your brain doesn't know that what you're trying to do is going to be good for you 100 days from now. What it knows is right now you're experiencing pain, and it wants you to stop. Yeah. It wants to save you, to protect you. But in order to experience long-lasting change, your neuropathways in your brain needs to change. Where if you constantly went in one direction and it was easy for you, but that brought you into a place where you've suffered some consequences, maybe it's financial, maybe it's physical, and you want to change that, then that highway in your brain needs to be cut off and a new highway needs to be yes. uh, built. So that's really what we're talking about. It's, 
it's scientific, it's psychological, it's neurological. That's right. But it is something that we need to be aware of because this is the process we go through. And a lot of times when David and I have coached people, this is what we run up against. The resistance is not that people don't want change, is that change is difficult. So we need to approach it from the perspective that's going to make us most apt to actually succeed, that's which right. is to look at all of it and realize how it's working for or against us. That's right. I was meeting with actually some students this week and just teaching them on their identity and on their strengths and on uh, their natural giftings and their spiritual giftings from a biblical standpoint, but uh, talked about how the brain begins being formed about 40 days, 45 days after conception. Mm. Basically, you're the size of a postage stamp in your mother's womb, and the brain begins to be formed, and for the next 120 days, after 45 days, mm. for the next 120 days, there are 100 billion mm. nodes that are created in your brain. 100 billion. These That's are little incredible. connection points. And each of those 100 billion nodes makes 15,000 connections with other nodes. So those are the axons that go out and leap. They go out from one node into another node to connect all of these dots. And that's where the information flows through your brain. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so those connections and that formation is happening uh, even after you're born. Some of those axons are still being created. And then as you grow up, you have the ability to shift the way to literally create new pathways in the brain mm -hmm. uh, for the next 30 or 40 years. You're building, you're creating, you're moving. And then after about 30 or 40 years, your brain takes the areas where you're not moving information, where things are slow and where things aren't going, and it begins to tear that down and move it over to the places where you're operating at full speed and you're going really fast and effectively adding like a fourth lane to a three-lane highway so you can go even faster. Yeah. Your brain is always changing. Your brain is always moving. Your brain doesn't love the idea of change. Like mm -hmm. you said, Leo, your mm -hmm. brain wants to protect you. It wants to keep things safe. It wants to just not experience pain. So if you want to form a new habit, you have to be intentional. You want to build a 100-day plan. You have to make a commitment. Yeah. You have to make a long-term commitment to this change. That's a big deal. Uh, you have to set new expectations and realize this is going to take some time. Uh, Leo, when we did our seven-week workshop, I think originally it was eight weeks, mm -hmm. and we eventually took it down to seven weeks, but um, eight weeks is 56 days. Uh, you know, seven weeks is 49 days. And we were teaching people, we're getting you started with brand new ways of thinking where we mm -hmm. physically had people write out their expenses. Uh, we had them, you know, gain new habits where they're tracking receipts and getting physical receipts and they're putting them into an envelope and they're writing it down by hand. We were training them, talking to them about how to shift the way their brain thinks. Mm -hmm. And after 49 days, the journey had just started. We're like, guys, yeah. This is going to take time, but if you will make these changes, your brain will shift in the way that it thinks, and it will change the way that you behave in the future where you're, you're going to see a, a spending opportunity, and your brain's going to say, no, uh, I know I would need a receipt. I know I'd have to track this by writing it down. <laughs> yeah. I know I'd have to see it in my budget, yep. and I know I'd have to communicate it. If I'm married, I have to communicate with my spouse, and it would cause you to change the way you act based on the way you think and the habits that you form. So all of this matters. We want to we want to teach you today how to make some pre-commitments and plan for the triggers that are going to cause you to do the old things that you've done. Mm -hmm. They're going to trigger old habits and old neural pathways and how to identify those triggers, create new behaviors 
Mm -hmm. We'll create some new neural pathways. Yeah, because we really are talking about, I know that we've, we've talked about this before, about creating habits, right? And that's really what we're doing is we're forming new pathways of thinking through the habits. But to form a habit, uh, a good habit, you realize that there's three things that have to happen. Anytime you're trying to create a new habit, they're formed by three things. One is a trigger. Number two is a behavior. And three is that neurological reward. So think of it this way. When you're hungry, that's your trigger. You all of a sudden feel like, oh, okay, it's, it's going on one o'clock. I haven't had lunch. I'm hungry. Mm -hmm. If you have the feeling, that's a trigger. The behavior is you're going to go get something to eat. Yep. That's the behavior. And then, of course, the reward is, the dopamine reward is that you get renewed energy. Because right. now your body has been fed and you're like, okay, I don't feel lethargic anymore. I'm no longer hungry. That's the reward. I feel better. I ate. Okay, now I can continue with my day. There are other ways to think of this. David, yeah. share a couple more examples of what this trigger behavior neurological reward looks like. Yeah, last night uh, after dinner, maybe about an hour or so after dinner, I, I could tell that I had bad breath. I had a bad taste in my ma mouth. And it triggered something inside of me to walk over to the bathroom, grab my toothbrush, my toothpaste, mm -hmm. and brush my teeth. The trigger was that I had bad breath. The trigger was that I could taste a bad taste in my mouth. And I went and brushed my teeth. And afterwards, I was the, the behavior. Afterwards, I had new confidence. Mm -hmm. uh, I actually, I was like, I'm going to go kiss Ashley. <laughs> because go. I have got, I've got clean breath That's and right. my teeth feel fresh. And I had a dopamine hit to the brain because it just felt good mm -hmm. to be walking around with fresh, clean teeth. And so the trigger was a bad breath. The behavior was the brushing. And the new confidence and the dopamine hit on the back end is the reward. Yeah. Uh, we see this all throughout our lives. Um, when I'm feeling tired, I drink coffee, and when I drink coffee, that's the behavior. Mm -hmm. the, the, the trigger is feeling tired. The coffee is the behavior. And then I have, again, new confidence because my brain has more energy. And so I can walk into the next meeting excited, ready to go. I, my, I actually think a little bit more clearly because that caffeine has rewarded that's right. my brain. That's right. So these are triggers, behaviors, and then rewards. Yep. And if you can memorize this simple three-step process... You can identify your triggers. Mm -hmm. You can look at what new behaviors you want to commit to. Right. And then you can change the rewards and you can change the neural pathways. Yeah, and that's a really key thing here because we all have triggers, right? If you think about spending, your trigger might be you see an advertising. Maybe it's around dinner time and you see advertising for, I don't know, some restaurant uh, for food. Mm -hmm. And you're like, okay, great. We should go out to eat. The next behavior is do you go and buy? Right. Maybe it's a book. Right? Yes. Maybe you're online and you see a book and it's like, oh yeah, it looks like an interesting book. I'd love to buy that. Well, you have Amazon one click, hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So the trigger is you see the book, you're like, oh, that sounds amazing. You do the one click purchase and you have immediate reward knowing that that's, that's something you've already purchased. Yes. And so that's the number one reward. But there's good. an after one. It's when that doorbell rings and the Amazon package shows up. It's like Christmas every day. Yeah. So that's the process that we need to be aware of because whenever we want to make a change in our life, we need to be aware there's a trigger, there's going to be a behavior demand, and then there's going to be a reward. But if we're trying to change a behavior, let's say we want to pay off our debt and we no longer want to take on debt. Well, that's going to require that we are aware when that trigger to spend comes, that we are pre-committed to, no, I'm not going to use my credit card, right? Because I'm, yep. I'm paying them down. I'm not adding to them. And then by that, I know that I'm going to have financial freedom. I'm going to be out of debt in six months or eight months or 12 months. That's the reward. Now, when I commit to that and I understand what's going to happen, then I can be ready for it. 
I know the trigger. I can see it coming. I have a plan in place. I'm sticking to my plan. I'm not going to give in to the bad behavior. I'm going to stick to the new behavior. And I do that until I see the reward. And when I see the reward, when I actually experience the reward, then it gives me this power of saying, I can do this, mm -hmm. right? And this could be small rewards and big rewards. And that's where financial uh, well-being comes into place because you're putting all the right things in place and over time you'll see the reward you'll see the benefit and you'll experience that financial freedom that you're looking for yeah i love that you said you know starting this financial trigger with an advertisement because mm -hmm. that's often where it starts it often yep. starts with sales either somebody trying to sell you something or somebody trying to market something to you or you see this advertisement now in, in the example you gave with the book or with an online purchase the behavior is the one click. Oh, mm. that's easy. I want that. I buy it. The reward is the first dopamine hit of owning something new. The yep. second reward is when the package arrives at your door. You're like, oh my gosh, I get to open it. Maybe you have a third dopamine hit when you're when you're first reading the book. When you buy something, you can get these multiple triggers of rewards, right. which is why the spending pattern is easy to fall into. Yeah, it's reinforced. It's reinforced. This feels good. I should do this more. Right. And so you said that you started with advertising. And I just want to highlight something that we've talked about, even in dealing with marketing and behavioral change in the past. The marketing and the advertising is geared towards making you feel bad today mm -hmm. because the worse that they can make you feel about your current life, then the better you feel when you buy their product. Mm -hmm. And so that increases the dopamine. It increases the reward. The so happiness. A, the happiness. Yep. Yep. So a lot of times you'll see marketing that tells you how bad your life is. Uh, you'll see marketing that says, hey, you're not happy until you have uh, this bag of Cheetos in your hands, or you're not happy until you've had a sandwich from our, our shop, or mm -hmm. you're not happy until you have this kind of car. Yep. Uh, you didn't even know you needed leather seats until you were told that leather seats is what makes is it's luxury. It's what makes you important. Uh, it's how it's the most comfortable way to drive. Like all of a sudden, like the, even the contours of the seats that's marketed to you. Oh, your seats must be terrible because you don't have these brand new like contours that we've invented in the way that you sit in the seat. You've been Heated driving seats, the same car. Cool seats. seats cool <laughs> you've been driving the same car for 10 years and you never thought once about the contours of your seats. Yeah. But now you're like, oh, I, I, I hate my seats. You're like, and you've never once thought about it in 10 years. And now you're complaining about your seats. If they can make you complain about what you have today, yeah. if they can make you discontent. Or afraid or, or afraid. whatever. Oh, yeah. 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 It's to create a situation where you're looking and seeing a problem. They identify a problem that may actually not be a problem. But they're going to pose it in such a way that you're going to look at it in, in a new light to say, wow, this is a problem. But they're also going to provide you a solution. Yes. So they bring up the problem in order to give you the solution. So first they point to the problem. They make you feel bad or sad or fearful. And then they say, but you don't have to feel that way. Here's how to solve that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, okay, let's, let's go through and begin to deal with uh, now that we recognize that trigger, the behavior and the neurological reward that comes and the pathways that are built, if you're self-aware that that's happening and that advertising is trying to trigger you, mm -hmm. um, A, that helps you realize maybe I should, you know, subject myself to less advertising. Yep. Uh, but that's also very difficult to do where all of our social media is built around advertising yep. to us and <laughs> us being even the product so that they can advertise to us. It's very interesting. But let's let's talk about how you begin to break some of these cycles and how you begin to rethink about this. So the first thing that you have to do is you have to pre-commit mm -hmm. to a new behavior when the trigger happens. Right. And I may even take that a step back. Really, the first thing you have to do is recognize the trigger. 
And that trigger may be every day at 11.30 a.m. You're hungry for lunch or noon or 1 p.m. So you know that that trigger is going to come every day at the same time. Yep. You have to pre-commit to a new plan. So the first is recognition. The second is the, is the pre-commitment. And then the third thing is you've got to write that pre-commitment down. Mm. If you write this thing down, uh, it begins the process of interrupting the neurological pathway. Yes. Because now you're saying to your brain, hey, brain, get ready, because I'm, I'm writing this down physically. This is going to be stored in my, in my brain somewhere. My brain is going to hold on to this because physically with my hand, I'm writing a new habit. I'm writing a new plan. Mm-hmm. And then you build some strategies as to how you'll respond in the moment. So you have the, the new commitment. You have the new strategies. And if you activate that new behavior, now you have one data point in your brain of a new neurological pathway. Mm-hmm. Now, you still have probably 99 data points the other direction. So now you've got to slowly shift and add more and more of this new behavior onto that trigger. And as you begin to add this new behavior and stop doing the old behavior, all of a sudden you have some real change where your brain automatically moves forward towards the new behavior and the new reward. I like to kind of envision it this way. It's like tearing one wall down while you're building another. With every brick of that old wall, the old neural pathway that you're tearing down, you're building a new one. So with every success you have, if it is, let's say, from now on, you're going to pack a lunch so you're not spending as much on eating out. Okay, so every day you're going to pack a lunch. Five days a week, you're going to pack a lunch. Mm -hmm. When that lunch comes, you're either going to grab for your sandwich, you know, the brown bag that you took, or you're going to be tempted to say yes to your friends who are going out to eat, your coworkers. But if you choose to say, nope, I've made a commitment, I wrote it down, I'm going to do this. With every time you succeed to sticking to that plan, to your pre-commitment, you're building, you're putting one brick on that wall. Mm-hmm. And every time you do it, it becomes stronger and stronger and stronger to the point that 100 days on the road and beyond that, it's not hard for you. It's just mm-hmm. something you do. And that doesn't mean you should never go out to eat, that you never could do that. It's just not a normal thing that you do. It's yep. not a trigger that's just going to automatically make you do something and the behavior is now positive rather than negative. Yeah. This happened to me with uh, soda and I had gotten into the habit of every day just having one soda a day. So typically it'd be a Dr. Pepper at dinner time, and that was just my habit. And it wasn't dramatically affecting my health. It wasn't dramatically affecting my weight or anything. But I just recognize that I, I don't know. I guess you know what? I probably watched one of those documentaries about sugar. I think that's what happened. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is which is healthy, I guess. But it it caught my attention. Oh my gosh, sugar's actually pretty bad for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so and realizing how much sugar was in that can of soda and all that. And so I created a pre-commitment that I wanted to drink less soda. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean I was going to throw it out forever and never yeah, have any. Never but I was again. like, you know right. what? I do. This is important to me. I want to change my behavior. So the first thing I did was I recognized when I would usually drink soda, which was usually at dinner. And then I created this pre-commitment and I said, okay, what's an alternative? Because I know when the trigger is going to come and I know what the reward is. Um, It's the feeling like the carbonation versus regular water. Mm -hmm. I knew it was going to be hard for me to switch just to regular water direct from sugary soda. Uh, especially because you have the sugar and the carbonation and the experience is different. And so I began looking for alternatives and I ended up, uh, it, it was hard at first, but I ended up finding just carbonated water and sometimes with a hint of flavor, a hint of blackberry, a hint mm-hmm. of, you know, mm-hmm. grapefruit, fill in the blank, lime, cranberry. 
and it would give me that a little bit of that same reward of that bite because the carbonation was still there. And my pre-plan was when I went to the grocery store, I purchased those so I would have them ready for when that trigger came. Mm. So dinner time comes around and I created a new ritual, actually. I, I usually drank the Dr. the Dr. Pepper directly from the can. And what I did is I would get out a glass and I would pour the, the new soda water into the glass so I could see it bubbling. I could see, I could, I could have this experience. And it's, this is minor. It's kind of silly, but it became a new experience, a new ritual where I'd pour it into the glass and I would drink from the glass instead of the can. And I was intentionally trying to create a new reward pattern, a new ritual for me to step into and be excited about, hey, I can't wait to pour that soda water into the glass, see it bubble. I'm not saying everybody's going to love that plan for their life change. But in that moment, it helped me dramatically change where I go to. And now, now that I've made the bump from carbonation and sugar to just carbonation, mm. now I can go from carbonation and water to just straight water. Right. And it's a whole lot easier. So I made a scaled step down from sodas. Doesn't mean I never drink soda, but I made a scaled step down to where it's very easy for me to say no to a soda. Mm. But it took a pre-commitment, it took an intentional purchase at the grocery store, and then it took a new ritual to create a new dopamine hit, a new reward center for my brain. Mm -hmm. And I just think that's interesting because yep. you can do it with food, you can do it with finances, and it's especially important when we talk about big purchases in mm -hmm. our finances. Yeah, and this is why we are so adamant about why a budget, having a financial plan is so important because part of what we're talking about, the triggers that happen when you have a plan in place, you've actually thought through what you are willing to do, right? You're, you've thought through what you're gonna spend, how much you're going to spend. So you have that pre-commitment with every area because you've set aside, hey, mm -hmm. we, we spend this much on vacation, we spend this much on eating out, we spend this much on, on entertainment. Whatever it is mm -hmm. that you're spending on, you're making a pre-commitment, and when you're making that commitment, your brain literally remembers the number. Yes. And one of the things that I always tell my clients, Record every day for the first 60 to 90 days. It's huge. And it's not because I want them to do something that's you know time consuming or difficult. No, just the opposite. What I want is to help them ingrain in their brain those numbers that they're committing to, right? We sat down, we created a budget based on their income, their needs, and their expenses. And because we've done that, there's some areas that are gonna be somewhat tight, right? Maybe they were spending $400 on eating out every month. Now they're down to 100. That's a huge adjustment. Going from 400 to 100 is a significant change. The only way that's going to happen is if you're tracking that every day and you're recommitting, right? You're, you've made that commitment when you created the budget. You'll have to recommit every day. Mm -hmm. Every time you enter that new transaction and it shows you went from 100 to 75, now you only have 75. Next time, 75 to 50. Now you only have 50. It keeps you aware of the commitment you made it reminds you where you're at so that you don't fall off the wagon because the trigger the old trigger is still there mm -hmm. i want to go out to eat i don't want to cook i'd rather go out to eat and that trigger's there but if you've made a pre-commitment and have a plan that helps you to see it then it reminds you of what the reward is going to be mm -hmm. the reward is we're going to get our finances in order we're going to pay off our debt we're going to be able to take that vacation we've been wanting to take for the last 10 oh years. Oh my gosh, yeah. So it's, it's the, re the reward always has to be connected to a stronger emotion than the immediate uh, dopamine rush you get. There has to be this huge reward. For my wife and I, one of our biggest um, goals was, as we we're getting our finances in order, to be completely debt-free. 
And that's meaning having our mortgage paid off as well. It was one of those things that we consistently put in front of us. Every time we wanted to go over our budget, every time we wanted to buy something new, we always had to go back and look at the budget and say, mm -hmm. yes, but will this keep us from paying off our debt, <laughs> you know, our mortgage by right. this date? And if it's if it was yes, then it's like, okay, then we can't do it. Because paying off the mortgage and what that was going to help us do in the future to be able to cover our kids' college education, to be able to have money to pay for the weddings, to be able to help them as they're stepping out on their own. All those things were important to us, much more important than the immediate gratification of buying something. So because we kept those ahead of us and in front of us, it continued to reinforce that the reward of sticking to this new plan was more meaningful and, and much greater than the immediate benefit. So we stuck with it until it became a way of life. That's right. The other thing that was really surprising to us is because we did it for so long and it took us eight years to pay off that mortgage, when we finally did pay it off, it wasn't like, oh, great, now we have extra, all this extra money. Let's go spend money. And no, <laughs> it was, hey, now we have all this extra margin. Like, what cool things can we do with it? And so we learned to live and increase our margin because it was a way of behavior. There was these new pathways that said, this is a much better way to live. And by the way, we didn't need all those extra things. Mm -hmm. They were just impulsive triggers that led us to spend money that didn't really bring happiness or fulfillment. Uh, not to the degree that we had by having the financial security and the benefits that came from having that margin. So, That's right. It, if you want to dig further into the importance of tracking expenses, uh, which Leo and I, we this is one of the foundational things that you have to do when you're first building a budget, yes. when you're first changing your behaviors, go back and listen to episode 85 and 86. Mm. Uh, we called it the financial superpower. Tracking expenses is a financial superpower. And the reason it's a superpower is because it changes your behavior. It changes, it creates a, f a whole new habit. Mm -hmm. uh, there is a trigger. We talk about what the trigger is in there to begin tracking. We talk about the behavior so that you actually write it down. And we talk about the rewards in that episode. And if you begin to track, it will change your life. This is why Leo and I spend so much time talking about tracking and budgeting and as you make those good decisions consistently mm -hmm. over mm -hmm. a long period of time, you have all this margin, which frees up your brain to focus on other things. So we, we say, you know, understanding your finances so you can be free to pursue your true life's purpose. That's our heart. We want to get you financially free where you have the margin, where your brain is operating on all cylinders financially so that you can pursue your true life's purpose, mm -hmm. so that money isn't bogging you down, where you set up these automatic triggers in the brain, automatic behaviors that give you automatic good rewards that lead you into margin. And, and it all fits in that overall financial plan that Leo and I always talk about, is that you save before you spend, mm -hmm. you spend on purpose, that you build financial margin, and then you invest wisely. And so walking through this four-step process, if you have the right triggers and behaviors and neurological rewards in place, it, it is difficult at first. Mm -hmm. It takes 100 days to build this habit. Yep. Uh, it takes pre-commitment. Sometimes takes, more, but yeah, oh yeah. The, the, the beauty of this, and we've talked about this when it comes to budgeting, we always said that it takes 6 to 12 months to become completely comfortable with a financial plan. And the reason that is is because you're building a habit and those newer pathways in your brain that are going to help you to manage things completely different. Sometimes to really build a strong habit, something that's going to be a lifelong thing, it could take 200 days. Mm -hmm. And that's 
totally okay because because it's going to be that four lane highway. Oh my gosh, that's always going, going awesome. to reward you and it's yeah. always going to keep you safe. Uh, so what we're talking about here is really there's neurological things going on in our brain. But remember, remember that nobody likes change. Your brain is going to fight against it. <laughs> yep. And I use this example. I was talking to David about this before we hit record, that when I'm on my bike or when I'm working out every morning, I always have a goal. I'm going to do this many reps uh, or I'm going to do this many minutes or these, this many miles. And my brain, as I get tired, as I'm, you know, working at it, my brain will say, hey, I know you set a goal for 40 reps, but you're at 25 right now, and I don't see you making it to 40. Like, you're already in pain. By the time you get to 30, you're probably going to be completely exhausted. So let, let's set a new goal. Let's set a 30-rep goal for this set. And I have learned, because my goal is to improve, not to stay the same, not to diminish, but actually to increase. So my goal is whenever I hear myself say that or think that, right? When I think that, when my brain starts screaming out, hey, that's too much, I'll go beyond what the brain says. So if the brain says, hey, I think 30 is more reasonable, I'll actually go to 40. But maybe I was overzealous. Maybe I thought 40, I can do it, but that at 25, I'm already like fighting to get to the next five, six reps. But I'll go beyond whatever the brain says. So if the brain says, I think 30 is enough, I'll go 32 or 35, or I'll go to 40. Because I know that I'm trying to change and I know my brain's trying to save me, but I'm not in danger. I'm trying to pursue something. I'm trying to get to a physical health uh, point that I think, you know, mm -hmm. so I don't want to waste that workout. Mm -mm. And if I give in to whatever the brain says, then I'm just going to stay where I'm at. I'm not going to improve. This is the number one reason why people struggle to actually make a, a lifelong lasting change in their life, especially when it comes to eating disorders or oh, weight, yeah. because they listen to the brain and they give in at that point when they should be fighting just a little bit more because mm -hmm. that progress is going to make you stronger and, and it's going to show up. It's going to show up in the mirror. It's going to show up when you're sitting on that scale. And when you're managing money, it's the same way. Yeah. It's when you make that commitment, when you make that goal, and you know what the reward is, and you keep that in front of you. And it's got to be emotionally, uh, it's got to mean a lot to you. Yeah. So you have to write it down. You have to envision what it's going to be like when you're at that place where you've achieved that goal. And, and that's going to keep you anchored to not give in, to not give in to the brain, but actually form those new neural pathways and reach those goals. That's right. Th this is the difference of being committed to something versus being interested in something. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the things that you've got to do if you're going to commit to something, you write it down, you plan ahead. But it's also important to be in community with other people who are chasing that same commitment. Yes. This is why our seven-week workshop was so effective because when we sit down with people, we would pair them with coaches and we'd pair them with other people going through the exact same process. So they're fighting together, they're learning together, they're, they're moving towards something. And we would say at the beginning of the workshop, we'd say, hey, if you're just interested in this, like come to week one and yep. come see what we're going to do. But if you're only interested and this isn't really the season that you want to make a commitment to change, yeah. then go find another class. Yeah. Like not or in a rude way. Come back later. Come back later. Come back That's when right. you're ready to make the commitment because we're about to go into a, a head first into a difficult season of changing behavior in yes. your life. Yes. And if you're not really committed, then it'll be a waste of your time. Yeah. And we called week one a test drive because we would let them check out what the class was going to be about. 
But if they weren't ready to commit, we weren't mad at them. We didn't care. We're like, hey, if it's not your time to commit in your finances, you're, you want to go commit to learning about marriage, go to the marriage class. You know, you want to commit to, to, you know, breaking fear in your life, go to the breaking fear class. You know, like, like yeah. whatever it is, you know, yeah. change, change classes and go where you're most committed. But if you're just interested in something, then you'll stop when you lose interest. Yeah. Uh, when it gets hard and your brain resists, you'll change and you'll become interested in something else. You're like, oh, mm. I was interested in doing my budget, but now I'm interested in Peloton biking. And then as soon as you start, you buy the bike and you'd go for like five days, you're like, oh, this is hard. I'm now interested in gardening. You know, you'll change like, oh, yeah. now, now I'm you'll interested. You'll run from in one hardship to another because yes. you won't want to push through it. Right. So yeah. interested is not enough. You have to be committed and you have to, once you're committed, you're going to do whatever it takes. Yeah. Uh, this is where I love Dave Ramsey's line. You know, he's like, you know, live on rice and beans, mm-hmm. you know, sell so much stuff that the kids think they're next. You know, <laughs> he's got that. these great lines of like, you're so committed that you're selling all the stuff in your house and people are kind of thinking you're weird. He even yeah. says, it's good if you're weird yes. because normal is broke. Yeah, uh, he, He's just phenomenal yeah. at talking about being really committed to the change process and finances. So uh, you'll actually pick up another job. You'll actually write down your receipts every night. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the difference of interest and commitment. Yeah, so. I love it. And, and you, you touched on something I think is very important. You need to have support. Realize that early on when you're doing this, it's not easy. And, and it's just you and your brain, right? It's just you and your brain. Now, if you're a couple, if you have a spouse or, or a significant other, the benefit of having somebody else is that when you make that commitment together, one of you might be weak in a moment, yes. but the other one might be actually strong and saying, you know, mm-hmm. nope, we decided we're not going to do this. So that's been the case for my wife and I. Whenever I wanted to fall off the wagon, she'd be like, hey, the budget says no. And then other times I would say, no, honey, the budget says no, sorry. And we kept each other accountable. So that's a, that's a huge benefit. So if you don't have a spouse, get a friend, get a financial coach, get somebody to yeah. help you. Because it might be the difference between you quitting or winning. Mm-hmm. And it's that important. So definitely get some help in that. I think it'll make a big difference. Awesome. Well, I hope that you've enjoyed this episode and it's been really beneficial for you. Uh, send this to a friend. Every single person that I know is looking to change something in their life. Everybody is looking to grow, to learn, uh, to either change their career, to change their eating habits, to change their finances, to change uh, even just the way they think about things. Just changing the way you think can change your whole life. Mm -hmm. So send this to a friend, uh, share the idea of habits, just simply formatting down to triggers, behaviors, and rewards, and what it takes to commit to something new. Uh, And I call it automaticity. Uh, it's like, it's like automatically changing your brain because you put in the work and the time and you've committed and you're with a committed group of friends and you're working together towards something new. So take some time, uh, hit share, put this out on your social media. If it's Facebook, if it's Instagram, it means the world to us when you share the program. And I hope that you will come spend time with Leo. Leo, where can people find you? They can find me at leosabo.com. I have some resources there that I think will help you. If you want to get on a budget, there's also a mini course that you can take. It walks you through the forms. It gives you uh, videos and tutorials that will help you to actually put a budget in place. And it's just one form 
of doing it. There are many other ways, but what I do is I help you to just learn the basics so that you understand the mechanics of budgeting. And then beyond that, you can gravitate to whatever you want, an app or something else down the road. But I think those are really helpful tools to get you started. It's just a system that really has worked. And I've taught so many people with this system, and I think it will really help you. So again, make the commitment, download the forms, watch the videos, get on a budget. It's going to change your life for the better. Yeah, I love it. If you want to hang out with me, come over to stewardshippastors.com. Check out the resources tab. We've got a bunch of really great articles. Uh, One of the articles is just called Why Have a Stewardship Ministry? And it will help a church understand the importance of serving their people in this area, Uh, helping the congregation understand what it means to be a good manager and to begin tracking expenses, to begin stewarding financial resources well, but not just finances, stewarding every area of your life. So check out the article, Why Have a Stewardship Ministry, and then check out some of the videos that are available under the Resources Videos tab. And of course, I'm going to encourage you to check out the book, Jesus on Money. Pre-order that. Um, The progress is going great, and I can't wait to share that with everyone. And overall, we look forward to seeing you next time. So that together... We We can can keep keep getting getting money money right. What I do is I help you to just learn the basics so that you understand the mechanics of budgeting. And then beyond that, you can gravitate to whatever you want, an app or something else down the road. But I think those are really helpful tools to get you started. It's just a system that really has worked And I've taught so many people with this system, and I think it will really help you. So again, make the commitment, download the forms, watch the videos, get on a budget. It's going to change your life for the better.